Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program. We're just glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Crucial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. A top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGianotto. Mark, good day, sir. So, Jeffrey, I had this thought today as I was reading a piece over at CommercialPill.com that you, I would say, helped play a role in getting produced in which we tried to figure out, as many Grizzlies, what they were doing for their all-star break Mm. vacations. But I want to take it a step further. All right. And I want to speculate because that's what we do best on here. Amen. Um, Okay. Which players on the Grizzlies – when they go away for all the all-star break this week, or probably have already left, which Grizzlies are flying commercial and which Grizzlies are flying private? Ooh. Okay, so destination matters, I think. Because we we remember we we've discussed this. We looked it up. Anything really over like three hours is gets really, really pricey in terms of trying to fly private. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of times money is like here's here's what I'd say. I think it's safe to say Ja and Jaron, I would guess fly together privately to Salt Lake City. Would we know have, Ja is probably going to fly private. Yes, and it sounded it sounded like Jaron was okay, a, presuming thought, he was going to be on that the same. They hadn't they hadn't worked it out totally, but it it sounded like from Jaron's answer. The presumption is they will fly together to Salt Lake City. So that is so that's two right there. I think I would be, I would be I willing we were, to bet. I thought we were kind of putting them aside. Aside. I thought okay. we were saying like okay, fine. So take so like them out of it. Here's the question I would have had: Was Jaron going to fly private to Turks and Caicos? I think yes. Okay, I would bet yes because you're trying to you're trying to you know it's you're you're you ultimately only have a certain number of days. 
Well, I also think when you're flying to a lot of these great destinations that are kind of hard to get to, that's when I think flying private also. I think there's also a financial component here. Mm -hmm. Well, now we know Tyus Jones, for instance, though, not going anywhere. His wife is due with their second child on Tuesday. Okay. So he's not going anywhere. Congrats he's staying to the Joneses. Yes, Tyus and his they, wife are staying here. That would be some extreme planning if they pulled that off. Like, let's have the kid during the All-Star break. <laughs> you know, that's, that's impressive. That's, that's getting the calendar out. That's pretty good. Um, Desmond Bain is going to South Florida to spend time with his family. You Do we think Desmond that Bain is... feels commercial. So I'll say this. Desmond Bain, after his rookie year, was on a commercial flight Coach. with me. He was clearly connecting from somewhere because it was from Atlanta back to Memphis on Delta. He was in first class, okay, but it was commercial. And I'll just say this. He's not on a different contract now than he, was, the, yeah. than he was back then. And South the, Florida feels like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go first class. And also with... Jaron, you have to remember, Jaron's new deal's kicked in, correct? Yes, this is the first year okay. Jaron's real, you know, and big we money. We saw Ja go into the All-Star game last year. He went private. Feels like we've decided that flying. I mean, honestly, if you're ja, I mean, honestly, I actually think Ja Morant might be at a point where, like, it's really hard to go walk through an airport, airport terminal if you're him, I would guess. Like, you know, that's part of the reason some people fly private when they become... No, everyone flies private that can fly private because flying private's better. It's better. You but just also, walk on, walk off. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, but also, it, part of it, I'm just saying, like, you know, like if John Morant was in the Memphis airport right now, like, it'd be a whole scene. Well, don't forget. Remember that, who's the, the, the social media comic that went yeah, up to Dil Dylan at Dil the Starbucks? I, I Again, I'm willing to bet, like, I don't know where Dylan's going. I, I, I don't think that was, uh, let's see here. Um, are they all going somewhere warm? Because like I always wonder with the Canadians, like do they just want to go home? But like, man, going going somewhere cold just sounds terrible. But that's also I admit that my well, nightmares. I would think you'd want like cold. the way they t they've talked about it. You like it's like a you know you, you kind of want to just know. reset and like I, you don't reset in the cold, right? Like you I, know, mean, it would, I guess you could go to you go to the Rockies, but like these guys can't ski or snowboard. That's too risky. I hope it's in their contracts they can. Yeah. <laughs> we got a playoff push here to worry about. Yeah. I but I don't know like you know, hiking. But I mean there are well no, it may just be one, you just want to go home. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I can understand that, but I would think I think most everyone's going to a tropical destination. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna actually say everyone but those two are flying commercial. I think the key here also is Domestic versus international. Mm. Okay. Okay. I, I would be willing to How bet. How many guys are still on big deals? Are on big deals? I mean, do you count? Tyus like, is on sort of a big deal. Well, there's another, there's another aspect that we're kind of forgetting with the other reason for these guys to fly private. Mm -hmm. uh, NBA, I don't know if you're familiar with the size of an NBA yeah, athlete. No, it's, more, it's certainly more, more comfortable. comfortable. But no, but none of them. I mean, the only people on big deals right now for the Grizzlies, and it speaks to kind of this unique existence they have in the NBA, is Jaron's big deal has kicked in. This is the first year. But, like, Brandon Clark's extension doesn't right. kick in until next year. Jaw's extension doesn't kick in until next year. Dylan's on that $11 million a year deal that he had. 
Tyus is now making fifteen million per year. Steven Adams is making like twelve million a year. Steven, you could tell me though, falls into the category of he'll pay to fly private just for comfort. Eh, I bet you if he, when he goes back to New Zealand, he ain't flying private. Well, but I mean, those are that's also a hard thing to fly private. Yeah, how many private jets can pull that off? Like you have yeah, to stop you have and to stop. Yeah. Well, um, it's the All Star break. Grizzlies got into it with a win last night. Did we get against- some destinations? Because the only one I heard was the, the – which I actually kind of like, Jaron. I've actually thought about this. Yeah, you're supposed to go to I, Turks and Caicos. I want Desmond next year to plan a All-Star break vacation that he has to cancel. Yeah, well, it sounds uh, like he would have this year. The, but that's what yeah. I'm, I want every year until you make yeah. it. Because I feel like my gut tells me John didn't plan anything for All Star. He was, gonna say, that was going to be a spur of the moment. Correct. Like if they uh, really want to jilt me, I'll go plan something. But John also feels like if something would have happened and he isn't going to the All Star game, it feels like John just gets the boys on the plane and says, "Let's go to Vegas." Well, and, well, and don't you think? I mean, there's nothing stopping them from. I don't think they have to be back. And I think they're practicing on Wednesday. Nothing stopping them from like a Monday Tuesday stopover somewhere out west, whether it be L.A. or. Las Vegas on the way home. No, that, that's City. true. I I don't know though. Do they have to fly to Philly together? Yeah, my guess is they they from what I understand they're going to practice Wednesday and then probably fly to Philly after the practice next Wednesday. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I think yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So um but they they went into the All-Star break. It is uh tasty take Thursday. So we're going to have some takes on the Grizzlies going to the All-Star break. Takes on the Tigers big game down at FedEx Forum tonight, 7 o'clock tip against UCF. We've got a battle. We've got some trash talk going on, Jeffrey. Do we? We're trying to have some trash talk going on. Y'all trying, are. trying to get, trying to, trying to add Look, some spice. There to you this. go. You media types always just Me- trying to drum something up. Media, media. Mm-hmm. God dang media. Well, it's a media game down at uh, FedEx Forum. We'll we'll get you ready for that. Eric Hasseltine's going to join us at two forty or so. He's the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies right here on ninety two nine FM ESPN. Get his thoughts on the team. Now that it's entering uh, the All-Star break, more stable, it feels like. Even though last night was a little rocky, they've won two of three now entering the All-Star break after a rough patch. We'll get Eric's thoughts on everything. Three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Uh, Chris Beard got some good news for him. Um, Potentially awkward news for, you know, whoever decides maybe we should hire him. Uh, we'll debate that. Tennessee beat Alabama last night. Uh, unfortunately, Tim McCarver passed away today. We'll we'll talk about that as well. Um, and then Jason Smith will join us at 3.30 or so. We'll get his thoughts on that UCF-Memphis matchup uh, at FedEx Forum. But uh, I think we should start the takes with the Grizzlies since um, they did play last night, Jeffrey, and they won. Sort of, I mean, almost lost a huge lead. I wouldn't call it a reassuring win, other than it was reassuring that they've won at least won two of three going into the going into the All Star break. But it wasn't exactly uh, a win that made you go, oh, "They're over that. They fi- they've they've fixed everything that ailed that ailed them during that losing skid." It was the type of game that you didn't really know what to make of it because the Grizzlies build up this huge lead. And then it all of a sudden kind of Utah decides to kind of chip away at it. But it didn't feel dire until like, I don't know, what would you say, like the last seven or eight minutes? Is that kind of when it started to feel like, 
wait a minute, they may screw around and lose this game. Because even yeah, when, it was like, it was even like when right, Utah was coming back in the third quarter, I still felt like the Grizzlies were going to win. But then it, it, it was became, when they got it to six. It was Taylor Horton Tucker hit a bucket. Or no, they got it to three. Yeah, I think they got it to Taylor, one possession. Taylor Horton Tucker got it. I think it was like 94-91 maybe. Yeah. And and they called timeout. That was when you were like, oh, come on. Really? Really? And then, uh, they, you know what? they they th- That was the clean version of what my wife was saying. <laughs> But to their credit, you know, Ja hit a couple buckets when he needed to. Dylan got a couple buckets there uh, that were crucial, um, and they closed it out. You know, because it would have, you can going that would have left a real sour taste losing that game going into the All Star break. Like that would have had that would have that would have been bad juju, I think. Going at least being able to come out with a win, like you can, like it it, it would have. Alter it just would have changed how you felt about yourself going into the All Star break. I think. I think that's more than fair to me. It seemed. Wasn't there a year? Maybe was it? Maybe it was the year before, like before the pandemic hit. Didn't the pandemic hit like right at the All Star break? In that kind of when games started getting canceled or whatnot. It was because, like I mean it was the beginning of March. I was remember? trying to remember. A, it was a little after the All Star break, a couple weeks. Remember there was like a Portland game right before the All Star yes. break. What well, was no? There, yes, there was a Portland game right before the All Star break that they won. Right, it was a big emotional, one. and then didn't they have one more game right after it? Yes, and, then and they like, lost. And you're like, well, that kind of stinks. Yes, and then they came out of it. Then then they had a Portland game right. That was the game. That was where they were when the pandemic. Shut down the league was important. So after the fact. obviously, the the expectations of those two teams was very different. I mean, that team yes. was everything felt like gravy. Any any fun thing that yeah. was celebrated, and this team you have higher expectations for. But I do feel like that would have been the type of loss that it feels like right now. You're just looking for some kind of stability. And it feels like that would have been, yet again, another loss that would have just been frustrating and also would have gotten to the point of, I guess the, I guess alarming is how I would say it, because yet again, while last night was different than some of these other games where you've, you've kind of fallen short down the stretch, you had a big lead, and it did feel like, it felt like, especially when Colin Sexton decided to take an early all-star break with a hamstring, you kind of felt like Utah was punting the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously they got NBA guys and they played hard too. But that would have been one where you feel like, all right, you're playing an inferior opponent that's shorthanded, you blow a big lead, and down the stretch you could not really generate anything offensively, and you really struggle to rebound again. So I think where I think you kind of avoid that, but at the same time, you still saw it, right? You still saw the same issues. Well, here's my tasty take. All right, let's hear it. Um, the way they've played over the last few weeks, and particularly the way they've played fourth quarters the past bunch of weeks, we're watching how they lose a first-round series. They just lose a bunch of close games. Like that's that's how it's gonna go down if it goes down that way, um, because they're I mean they're struggling closing out games. Their half court offense, they have not found a consistent solution to whatever teams are doing to them. Last night, if you paid close attention, it was like, did you notice 
by and large, like John Morant, when he was trying to drive to the basket, there were like three guys standing in front of him. Like me, that's they, the, they were, it was like almost like the Giannis wall, you know, like when yep. you see in the playoffs the three the, the three man the, the three and, man stack, if you and, will, and one of Dylan's threes. The, the the Dylan three, the big three that he hit, came off of the fact that they were sagging so far off of Dylan Brooks to create that wall on Ja that Ja had like Ja just had to pass it. And Dylan knocked down the three. And frankly, I, I think that's what a lot of teams are gonna basically dare you to do if you're the Grizzlies and you're playing that type of lineup. They're gonna say, you know what? We won't, you know, we're gonna help on Ja a lot but we won't help off Desmond Bain and we'll be willing to give up an open three to Dylan Brooks. I think, I, I think, I think that's, that's going to be a formula you see time and time again uh, for the Grizzlies. And they've got to figure out kind of whatever their formula is. Like it felt like they had a nice formula in the past and they've been trying to do it, go to it again and again over the last three, four weeks of Ja kind of attacking the rim through the pick and roll and whether it's because Steven Adams isn't there, but like I, I kind of think it's a bigger issue than that in that last year when they were closing out games, they didn't close out games with Steven Adams that much. Like it yeah, he sometimes did, but not it was more more especially in the playoffs and down the stretch of the season, it was what they closed with last night. It was Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. And Well, I mean, I think to your point also, while Steven Adams wasn't a plus free point free throw shooter last year it certainly wasn't it wasn't to the level of a concern that it is this year and that yeah. brings another yeah so i like, guess i just don't think you're going to be playing steven adams all that much in the playoffs in the last 5 or 6 minutes of games because teams are going to like well i think that's going to be the question are you just, foul. are you just going to have to sit there and wear it and hope for the best no you can't do that i mean unless he's unless he can become a better free throw shooter no if he's a 32% free throw shooter or whatever he is right now you can't. You have to take him out of the game. What if during the knee issue, because you can't be that mobile? What if all he's done is just practice free throws and he comes back as an eighty-five? Well, apparently, he was heard. He was heard in practice telling Luke Kennard that Luke Kennard has to teach him how to shoot free throws. Well, that was the other thing that I noticed. Remember, I kind of offhandedly said, "What if they brought Luke Kennard in to shoot free throws?" Like, as because that is. They're he's already a, getting technical foul duties. They're not only the worst free throw shooting in the league. Like, it's by like a full percentage point and a half. Like, they are almost like a full standard deviation away from the next team. I think, though, where I'll go with my tasty take, see if you buy this, because it's all in the same issue. I think the solution to the half-court offensive woes is Jaron Jackson. Mm. Mm. He had a great game last night. Listen, we've been we've been on the forefront. We admitted hand up. The foul, the foul concerns are still there, despite wanting to believe that they're not. But offensively right now, his game has taken a whole new level. The defense, I think, has always just been there. But right now, offensively, like he's just becoming – I mean, he's got that now, the game where he goes into the post, he can go both ways. And, you know, I mean, obviously if he shoots 40% from three, he's going to be about as lethal of an offensive weapon. Don't know how realistic that is every time. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been awesome the last, like, two months. No, and last night you saw the volume out of him. Like, oh, yeah. You know, Let like- it rip, baby. Yeah, it's very clear. No, it was funny because I was yesterday before the game. Ja was talking about it like he's realizing he's a mismatch, and when he said he's realizing, it feels like everyone is realizing he's a mismatch because right now, this is what Ja pointed out. There's not really a team in the league that is using their center to defend 
Jaron Jackson Jr. If it is, it's like because their center is undersized, like Draymond Green is playing center. But like right now, no fives are guarding him. He's he's by and large being defended by people who are at least two to three inches shorter than him. And Ja's point was um, we got to keep taking advantage of that mismatch until they change what they're doing. And he said if they change what they're doing and start putting fives on him, then Josh said he's willing to cede the spotlight and let Jer- let Jaron go, you know, do like that one of those one four uh one four uh lineups, you know, just cleared out for Jaron at the top of the key if a, if if you know a five man is going to defend him. Um but I think you're right. I think they need to you know, they need to attack this at different angles and I think it will help when Adams is back because of the interplay between him and Bain, that seems to really work too. Yeah. Um, when you can add that in, in addition to his screening of John Morant. But I think you're right. I think it, it they've done it a little bit, but I think this all-star break should be a moment where they, especially with the way Jaron's playing, they like fully embrace. Okay. And, and this goes for Jaron too. Like he needs to get better. For instance, like a couple times in recent weeks, teams have double teamed. And he needs to get better at passing out of the post when he gets when he gets double teamed. But I think it's I think that's probably what I think you're right. It's the most obvious to me solution to how do we diversify this? How do we get it so teams aren't ganging up on John Morant? Well, who's our second best offensive option right now? Well, the other thing that I've been it's wondering, probably Jaron Jackson Jr. One thing I've also wondered I don't I don't want to just sit like from on high and proclaim. It shall be this, or it should be this. You know what I mean? Like that. Mm-hmm. That. That's kind of ignorant. Should Ja and Jaron be able to play a two man game better than they do? Because like I do wonder if, you know, if you have the Stephen Adams problem down the stretch, as you as you allude to, so, which is going to be something you're going to have to address. Like I'm with I, you. I think it's something Jaron. It might be like his off season project. He's not good at screening. It's not. Yeah. I don't think it's a Ja thing. I think no, it's, oh, no, no. Ja's proven. He can play off screens. Like that's my I think thing is why why is it I think they've the never pro- really been able to like it doesn't feel crisp when well, they to, try to play it. Well, and to your point, I was looking it up for this column I have up at commercialpeel.com because I thought this was interesting looking it up. Their net rating on the court together this year is like sixteen point one, which is significantly higher than last year. Last year when they were on the court together, it was like a five, something like that. Like it wasn't it was effective, but it wasn't that considering they're supposed to be your two best players. It wasn't that effective. This year, it's one of the most effective pairings on the team, if you will. Two-man lineups is what they call it in the stats world. Um, but they're playing well. Um, together. Together. They're playing better than ever together uh, on the court. But nonetheless, there are four players, including Santi Aldama, who Ja has more assists to this season. Now, part of that is Jaron missed some games. But still, just even based on the rate, like it's not like Ja, you know, John has way more assists to Desmond Bain this year than he does to Jaron Jackson Jr. Same with Dylan Brooks, I believe it is, and I think Santi is also. Santi was the one I was surprised by, but he has more assists to Santi Aldama this year than he does to Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that kind of makes sense because think about when Ja kind of has like the wow passes that. You, that gives somebody just a wide open look. It doesn't feel like the recipient is Jaron. And in the first half, to be honest, like he plays with Santi as much as he does Jaron. Yeah, that's the way fair. they the, yeah, way, the they way they stagger, stagger lineups. Yeah, 
like he ends up playing, you know, especially in the first half, just as much. So, um, you know, there's there's obviously uh, areas of growth, but at the same time, I, I do think it is better than ever between those two. Um, they're they're growing together, and it's as evidenced by the All Star bids. Both All Star births, both of them got her All Star uh, invitations. Um, but um, I just I, I worry about you know they they have not shown me yet that they've figured out this fourth quarter thing, even though they've won two or three. Now, I am very open to the idea, based on what we've heard from them the past couple days, that they're going to come out like gangbusters out of the All-Star break. Like, they they were just, they needed this break. Like, they, you know, like, obviously, they, they felt like they ran out of gas almost the last 10 games or so, if you will. Yeah, and I think it... And, like, they needed this break, and they're going to come back refreshed, and they're going to look more like the team they did, you know, before Christmas. I think it also, there's obviously frustration and whatnot, but I do think another big part of kind of the funk they've been in is a lot of the role players started slumping at the same time. And, you know, Tyus has not shot the basketball as well as he has. Dylan's obviously, you know, you hope he's starting to shoot it better, but he's still not shooting it great. Conchar really hasn't given you much. Now you're trying to work in Luke Kennard, who hits a couple threes for you last night, but I don't know. It still kind of felt a little uneven. Is that would you say it's fair? Like, and I I think also it's unfair to him. Like, you're trying to work in someone on the fly. I think yeah. I think I think you need to reserve judgment on the Kennard thing until we get a f- at least a few games into post All Star break. See see how he fits in then. Um, once he gets some real practices under, you know, like I, I'm not ready to pass judgment on that. At the same time, like I haven't seen anything that's felt alarming to me or anything like that. Like, you know, where I go, Oh, this doesn't make sense. I can see exactly where it makes sense. And as long as you can hide him a little bit defensively, I can see where it works for them on, you know, it made them marginally better. Having yeah. Luke Kennard on the team. I guess where I have struggled the most is if we talk about like what is going to be his value, and we've talked about one of the key things is would you trust him to hit a big shot in the playoffs versus Danny Green? And we both said, I think at this point we'd rather gamble on healthy Luke Kennard versus coming back from injury, Danny Green. Correct. And I'm with you. But don't you struggle to see how does that play out? Because if it's going to be in crunch time, now the like, problem is that it's hard to envision him playing with Desmond Bain and John Morant, even though Taylor Jenkins has mentioned that as a possibility. Right. Like, it's just, hard to envision that. I also just think down the stretch, it's tough to envision, with all the frustration you can have with Dylan, it's tough to envision not being better on the floor with Dylan or being better on the floor without Dylan just because of what he gives you on the perimeter defense. Because it's not like, okay, while Dylan's a plus defender – like that's the biggest see, problem with Kennard is he's just like he's a. I guess I see Kennard's value differently in the sense that I don't see his value in terms like in terms of closing out a game. I see his value more in terms of there's a game the Grizzlies are shooting like crap. Well, now you can turn to Luke Kennard and maybe he can hit a couple threes and get you back into things. It feels like off he needs bench. to be. It feels like he needs to. To be me, the, the only guy. time he's closing a game is if he's having an obscene shooting performance. It feels like to me like he needs to be the guy that that second unit's really struggling to score. 
he needs to be a guy that's a, a key part of the scoring in the second unit. Yeah, just like, you know, well, like just someone who can knock down an open shot. That's what they need at times. Like at times they generate open shots and then guys like Conchar miss it or Zaire missed it or whatever. Like they need just need a guy who can knock down some of those shots. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that's, that's where I see his value. Again, it's a marginal upgrade in my mind. It's not probably going to be the upgrade that puts you – like if you were going to get to the Western Conference Finals this yeah. year, I don't think you're like going to get there because, because of or in spite of Luke Kennard. But I do think he'll help. I do not think the championship DVD starts with the trade deadline acquisition of Luke Kennard. All right, what's our what's our tasty take on tonight's Tigers game? All right, seven so, o'clock tip, UCF FedEx Forum, big one for the Tigers just because they're all big now. Now that it's February sixteenth, and I believe they're technically still, as of now, one of the last four. They are literally the last of the if, four buys. If Lenardi's the gospel, that is the case. Yeah. But you have other guys like their bracket. The bracket, their bracket matrix was was, was updated, like, and they're like high. Their average is a high ten seed right now, so they're like a high ten slash low eleven seed. And I want to say like they were in like eighty eight percent of the brackets. I think it was even a little higher than that. But yes, they're in they're in like ninety percent of the brackets, give or take. All right, so there's a hundred total brackets. So this will be super easy. You're correct. It had been updated today. Ninety two. Nine. Yeah. Ninety two out of a hundred. Yeah. But, like, you see, like, a guy like Palm. Palm has him as, like, a nine. Yeah. Which is fairly safe. I just think, like, I know I've said it on the show, but I think this is kind of where I am. I think four and two to close the season gets you in. Because that either mm-hmm. means, like, yep. to me, like, that's the only way you're going now, Cincinnati four and two. didn't help the cause last night losing to ECU. Uh, so now they are no longer, they were a quad one win there briefly over the weekend. No didn't more. We, didn't we both say we thought by the end of the year? Yeah, I figured they wouldn't stay. Correct. I mean, they were right on the. I mean, maybe they can get there again. But presuming, if you're presuming, they also are going to lose to Memphis here down the stretch. Feels like it's a. Uh, it feels like it's unlikely they'll be in the top seventy. The reason why I say four and two is four and two presents two scenarios in my mind. It presents either path to the tournament. It's either you win the four games with no bad losses. Mm-hmm. And then you lose the two Houston games. No shame in that. Or even if you have a quote-unquote bad loss, it means you had a Houston game in one of those. And I think that would cancel out the bad loss. Because in the end, Houston's going to finish probably no worse than, what, second, third in the net Mm -hmm. at the worst, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a better-than-average chance they're just going to finish one. Because they've been one pretty pretty consistently for like Me- Memphis, by the way, 42 in the net as of today. UCF third in the AAC at 57 in the net. And then Cincinnati fell to 81 in the net after that loss last night. Tulane is 90 in the net. And then no one else is in the top 100. The I AAC. suppose the only way 4-2 and two could be you could be in jeopardy is if you lose to SMU. Would you yeah, say? yeah, you don't want to lose SMU. SMU's two oh nine in the net right now. Yeah, you but don't, don't you think if you lose to SMU, although that's still it's a quad, it's only a quad three game because it's a road game. But still, I do wonder. Maybe that'd be if, bad. What do you think they would look at if it were, if it were lose at SMU, and win beat Houston at home? I bet you'd still probably be okay because yeah. they look at it as a, at it like a fluke. 
as long as you didn't lose then in the first round of the AAC tournament or something, I think you'd probably I st- still get it with and those I still two think things. We've seen that. We- I don't think they can let that SMU team's bad and Kendrick. No, I mean, no, I, I can you really see Kendrick winning, losing his return but, game to S- a bad SMU team? Of all the scenarios that I painted, I think that's the least likely. But I was trying to think of a scenario where four and two wouldn't get you in. The one that scares me, I told you, is I, I think Wichita the, the State, Wichita State the, game, the ultimate no win game. Yeah, like it's on the road in a place that's traditionally tough to play, and that team's been playing better. Now Penny has had their number. Uh, I will say that there's, there's one of those teams, but tonight. You got UCF. We have a brewing controversy, uh, Jeffrey, um, between Memphis Memphis and UCF. Do we? Well, Kendrick Davis said UCF was talking crazy after they beat him in double overtime. And I believe his name is C.J. Kelly. Yeah, that is. Um, for UCF. He's the one who said after the game against Memphis a month ago, um, Memphis was given the second spot. We definitely had to pack them up. And Munz, in, Munz informs me that his tweet with Kendrick's quote from yesterday, C.J. Kelly has liked it on mm. Twitter. So we've got some. So brewing, we, we got some people aware. Yeah, we've got some. We've got a little. We've got a brewing controversy that I'm probably making too much of. Um, yeah, you're trying. You're you're hoping here. <laughs> no Malcolm, no Alo tonight for the Tigers. Penny already has ruled them. Said they're definitely not playing tonight. They will not be returning. So. Um, it'll be uh, interesting. This game, if you recall that UCF game, when the pace was up-tempo, Memphis had their way with UCF. When the tempo got slow, that played right into UCF's hands. This is going to be another one of those tempo games if you really look close. Like, when they didn't have enough guys. They didn't press that much in the game, but when they did, UCF turned the ball over. If I recall, which correctly. has been which has been kind of standard. That's been part Whenever of the reason why. Play. To your point, the part of the reason why Penny's kind of had success against UCF is the pressing. UCF, to my point, ranks 321st in adjusted tempo this year. They are one of the slowest teams in the country in terms of pace. I'll also give UCF credit. They made that a big game, and yeah. I did feel like the crowd. And well, they hit like a the bunch crowd... of threes. They hit a bunch of threes too. Remember that that kid scored 30. I mean, they ended up hitting. They ended up going 16 of 35 from three, whereas Memphis went six of 18. They outscored them by 30 points from the three-point line in that game. Um, and, um, and Memphis is shooting the basketball better since then. And then, you know, De- De- uh, DeAndre fouled out. I know it was an overtime. Asterisk, I know. asterisk. Still. He made it through regulation. <laughs> he still, he fouled I think, though, out. If you, look at, if you look at the two teams' form, Kendrick played 47 minutes and scored 42 points. The Tigers are playing better mm-hmm. than when they played that night. Mm-hmm. And I think UCF has been playing worse since they played that night. And I, I just think maybe sometimes we overcomplicate it. The reality is the reason why the Tigers have been playing so well recently is DeAndre has been playing so well recently. And I think if you get yet, if you get, if you get. Well, and I think you just look up and down the roster. It's like McCadden and Kennedy are being yeah. like are much more consistent now. You know, you kind of like you didn't know the first 15, 20 games of the year, you kind of didn't know what you were going to get out of those guys each on a game to game basis. Now I feel kind of comfortable going, okay, I kind of know what I'm going to get from those two guys each game. I think also the pecking order kind of solidified. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, at that time they were still kind of trying to figure out is Demarie 
Yeah. You know, is they were trying to work him back in and see. No, and now it's very clear Jonathan Lawson has moved ahead of Demarie yeah. on the pecking order, and I think has earned it. Yeah, um, I, I think I think, and I think Jaden has played like like people complain sometimes about his minutes. I think he's earning his minutes right now. I, mean, I haven't heard much Jaden complaining recently. He's been because he's hitting shots. Ten of fourteen from three the last I mean, five games. That's that's it, pretty good. It, it always just goes back to if you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. On one end of the floor, <laughs> struggle on defense. We will never yell as long as we see you hit shots. He, fills, like, hey! a, he fills a real need for this team. From they, like they don't shoot threes well, and if he's hitting threes, that's something they really they they need that in the lineup. They just do. Um, so should be an interesting one tonight. Again, I've said it. I've said it all week. This could be my tasty take, even though I said it yesterday. This win far more important than winning on Sunday against Houston. Winning tonight is more important than winning. On Sunday against Houston for Memphis's NCAA tournament. If you qualify based on, if you're saying it's based on likelihood, yes, because it's all just everything you take everything yeah, into it, I'd like agree. the likelihood of actually winning at Houston, the and the likelihood of losing to a, let's call them a decent UCF team, right? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say they fall in the decent category? Solid NIT bubble team. Yeah, it feels like is what they are. They've played their way off the tournament bubble to the to the NIT, NIT yeah. bubble. Like that's that's kind of what they are. Um, you need to win this more than you need to beat Houston. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I guess what I'd say is, doesn't it feel like a typical Johnny Dawkins team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. can beat you. Yeah, but they have not been consistent. Sometimes sure. they can play a little above their britches. Yeah. Sometimes they play a little below them. So, um, should be a fun one down at FedEx Forum. I'll be down there as well. All right, when we come back. We're going to go back to the Grizzlies. We're going to talk to Eric Castletine, get his thoughts headed into the All-Star break. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM. Yes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state that you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement of BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. 
Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Eric Astine is the Memphis Grizzlies Radio Network play-by-play host. He is kind enough to join us on Thursday. Eric, happy All-Star break to you. Happy All-Star. Well, it's not quite yet for everybody, but for me, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I do have a question, though, because I was listening to your show. Thank you. And I'm listening to the the analysis of UCF making 10 more threes. Mm-hmm. See, I'm making 10 more threes is only a plus 10, not a plus 30, like Mark said, because those 10 threes, you made 10 twos. So unless mm-hmm. they make 10 more field goals than the other team, total and they were all threes and I don't see it being a plus 30 am I crazy in that because when we when when the Grizzlies play and someone goes oh well the other team made 21 threes and you made seven so that's a plus 42 and I'm like no because we made 14 more twos is that a plus 28 you know like that that doesn't I don't understand that the way it's a fair point the way I've always done it is I first look at three-point makes compare the three-point makes and then I look yeah. at, like you said, with field goal makes, and I kind of take the difference. And I like, yeah. To me, like, I, I don't know if that. it's even necessarily like a, a, a if there's a proper ratio. I just kind of try to figure out. It's like, okay, well, where did they gain points? M- Memphis, to your point, right. uh, to your point, uh, Eric ended up in that game with uh, they were plus six, plus thirty two in the two point field goal made category. Right. Um, how and but they were minus five. In free throws, so that was that ultimately maybe was the difference. Yeah, so I mean that's the thing, and I, I'm not trying to call you out because I I've always wondered if I'm in the wrong in this because I never hear anybody talk about it. Where you listen to some of these national announcers and they're they're very good at their jobs, but I mean they immediately go, it's such a hot button topic. Oh well, this team made 14 threes and the other team made four, and that's plus 30. I'm like, well, they didn't unless they made 10 more field goals total then you're not counting that they made more twos or got to the line more. And it's like last night. The rebounding numbers were incredibly skewed uh, in favor of the Jazz. But the Jazz turned it over like 30 times, and the Grizzlies turned it over like four. So there were like plenty of possessions that ended without a shot, without the possibility of a rebound. So on paper, it looks like you got your butt kicked on the board. But if you look at the, and then the turnovers, it balances out. So I think sometimes people just – We'll get into these stats and just try to point to something that seems grandiose to explain something when there's a deeper explanation to it. Well, I will say this: after having recalling watching that game, they gave up a lot of open threes to, to UCF. Yes. That was a problem, and it was that oh, one no, no, kid no, no, no. I, hit I a ton of threes. Thinking, but, but I yeah, think I you make a good point that, like, they just—it's also partly different styles, ultimately. Yeah, I remember watching that game and thinking it's a bold strategy not to defend the three-point line. I don't know if it's going to pay off. <laughs> uh, but we'll see tonight when they play down there. What did you, uh, you know, we're, we're through 57 games now. You know, there's a yeah. the mis- misconception that this is the halfway point because the All-Star break. Nice. It's really like the two-thirds mark. Um, yeah. But they, 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 end, they end this stretch winning two of three. You know, last night was – Really good for a while, and then you know got a little dicey. But ultimately, they made the plays late they needed to make to go in on a good note. Do you where? What do you feel? Do you, do you feel like this team is on the right path to kind of recapturing what they had before that swoon they went on? 
starting with the with the road trip. Do you, do you feel better than you did, say, a week ago when you were on this program with us about where they're headed? I'll feel better when Steven Adams is back in the lineup uh, because it makes a difference for everybody, most notably Tyus Jones. Um, and mm. even Ja. Interesting. I mean, Ja's having to work harder to get into the paint. He's having to go into double and triple teams. And, you know, it's nothing against X or, or Brandon Clark, but Adams just such, such sets such a monster pick, and he's such a presence on the offensive glass that little mistakes get cleaned up and almost get forgotten. Now you miss a shot or you, you drive into traffic and throw one wildly up, and you don't get the rebound. It's it's glaring that that was a wasted possession. Uh, you have a lot. You have a chance to save a lot of possessions when Stevens out there. And if you just look at the numbers for Tyus Jones since Stephen Adams has been out, they've they've just gone down. And um, you know how many times did we see him when Adams sets a screen or when he's out there? You know, even if Adams isn't in the game with him, just the you get used to having to get around these things, and you're you're looking for the pick. And all of a sudden, Tyus Jones has a, a three-dribble run into the paint, and he can just hit that little teardrop floater. Now, he also might just be going through some typical aches and pains, bumps and bruises, a little slump in the season. happens to everybody. So, um, But I think they're in a better spot, yes. They still need to figure out how to win on the road. They need to figure out how to finish out games and finish off opponents. Their fourth-quarter scoring is down. Um, it's at the bottom of the league. Their first and third quarter scoring are at the top of the league. So it's a strange game sometimes. But, um, you know, it's couple the NBA trying to take away back-to-back starting the season in mid-October as opposed to the end of October like they used to. Then the Super Bowl being pushed back a week to give teams a chance to recover and heal and try to put the best game possible on television, moving the NBA All-Star game back another week. We've gone from where you really were almost at the midpoint of the season. You were at 42, 43, 44, a little past 41 games when you were playing the All-Star game. Now it's common. You're, you're pushing towards 60. I think there's one team that's played 59 games. 60 games before you get your All-Star game is absurd. These guys are gassed. They're tired. But you only have essentially uh, you know, two months left after this from today. Uh, maybe closer to, to seven weeks as opposed to eight, um, seven and a half weeks, whatever you want to say, and the season's over. So you'll come back and hit the ground running. That leaves you very little time to, to make up ground. So they've put themselves in a great position to have home court advantage in the first round. They'll get healthier over the break. I don't know uh, you know, the exact timetable of Steven Adams' return. I do know that they're going to be very cautious with it, so it may not be right away out of the break, but it'll be shortly after. And after you get tested in Philly and then come home and get tested by Denver and now the new-look Lakers on the home court, you've got essentially two. the first two weeks of March are all on the road except for one or two games, and you've got you've to come with a, a stronger effort than you have on the road uh, up to this point. Mark and I were talking about this yesterday because we were thinking back to last year at this point in the calendar where – you know, you didn't really know what to make of the Grizzlies. You knew what their record said, and you knew that it was a fun team to watch. But in the back of your mind, you were still kind of wondering, like, okay, is this regular season good, or is this, you know, a legitimate contender? What I'm more curious about is with the jumbling of with the jumbling of the standings in the West. The common perception was after the break last year, we thought it would kind of ramp up in intensity, and it kind of did, but. We were still talking about those last 10 games still felt more or less like much of the rest of the regular season is. 
Do you think the jumbling of the standings is going to make these next 25 games feel different? I think the potential of who you match up with in the first round makes them more relevant. I think you knew that you got to a point with, with Steph Curry being hurt last year where you knew you were the two seed. You knew you yeah. weren't catching Phoenix. You knew they weren't catching you. It's why Josh sat down towards the end of the season to get his body rested for the playoff run. And, you know, it just kind of was like it's a formality now. Whether you win or lose, it doesn't affect you one bit. It doesn't affect your seeding. You knew you were going to have pretty much you were assured you would have the second-best record in the NBA. So you were – uh, you were kind of set. Right now, you're not. I mean, you got Sacramento nipping on your heels. You've got uh, the Clippers trying to make a push. The Suns trying to make a push. The Lakers trying to make a push. These teams are jumbled up. And with Golden State's injuries and Steph Curry out again, it becomes interesting to see what where they might you know land and you know what does Minnesota do? Do they you know do they end up getting Towns back now that they've made some moves and gotten rid of D'Angelo Russell and added Mike Conley? Do they become back to that sixth, seventh type seed. You know Denver's probably going to end up as the one, but where do you want to be? I mean, obviously, you don't want to be any lower than three because you don't want to have to go to Denver in the second round if you win the 4-5 matchup. You want to try to avoid that thing as much as possible for, you know, to to play a series in, in that altitude. So I think it does matter, and I think they have some questions. They've got to figure some things out. I do like the addition uh, of Luke Kennard. I think it's a solid pickup. Uh, we've discussed that a little bit, but I, I think as he continues to understand where he fits in in the you know in the scheme of their offense and what he's what's expected of him, and that Taylor Jenkins has a mentality of if you're on the floor, I expect you with uh, another word in there that we can't say on the radio. Um, and if you don't, then you're, you're not helping the team. And Luke Kennard, from everything I've been told from people that have been around him in, in both of his stops with Detroit and the Clippers, is he's a guy that wants, he, he wants to win. He's a guy that would sacrifice personal accolades to help a team win and make a run into the postseason. And so I like what I saw. What I, I like what I've seen out of him in the first two games. I thought last night that pass to Xavier Tillman was fantastic. He could have easily taken that shot. Nobody would have blamed him, and he realized he had, a, 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 albeit a very slim opening, an opening to get him the ball and did, and it led to an easy basket. So um, it's nothing against Danny Green, but I think he's a, a little bit more athletic, a little bit uh, better legs right now. And so, yeah, now you, you try to get Adams back and healthy. How does the G League time help maybe Zaire Williams or even David Roddy or Jake LaRavia stay sharp and I like your rotation. I like what they have. I do. Uh, I know it's kind of been concerning, and people are, you know, creatures of the moment, as all fans are, and we look at what they've done over the last three weeks, and I keep saying, yo, they had four games that they very easily could win, and I think if Adams is healthy through this stretch, remember he went out in the second game of that road trip and did not play again after the Phoenix game. Yes, he was there for the Laker debacle. I don't count Phoenix as one of the ones that slipped away from you, but the Lakers game was, Portland was, I thought Golden State was one that slipped away, uh, Sacramento was kind of what it was, and Minnesota was, but they, they lost games that they had chances to win. Toronto, you know, you take those four games, and granted it's a big if, but you take those four games, 
we're on a totally different tone right now. Can you make a push to get the one seed? Can you catch Denver? That game on Sunday becomes huge if you if you can catch them or that when they meet up, whether I think it's Sunday or um, Saturday when you get back out of the break or Saturday. Saturday out of the yeah Saturday and it's, then it's, it's Tuesday Philly later. it's Philly Thursday, Thursday yeah. on national TV then Saturday against Denver yeah. and then I want to say Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday yeah Tuesday, Tuesday against, the, against Lakers. the Lakers which starts a back to back because then you go on a week long road Houston, trip and yeah. starts in Houston on Wednesday night so mm-hmm. um, With you're the having a much Denver. different conversation but they didn't finish those games and that's I think what you're looking for in the second half they they have got to to start putting teams away. I don't want to say stop with this or stop with that because the narrative right now is they're talking too much and they're getting too overconfident, whatever it may be. Look, it's huh. a 48-minute game. Teams make runs. But you've got to finish teams off. You, you've got to smell blood in the water and go for the kill and basically take them out and, and, and finish off plays. And when it's not going your way, figure out a way to halt the other team's run and their – their efforts to, to try to steal a game from you or take a game back from you that you have in your grasp and put it back in your favor. It feels to me like teams are basically saying, we're not going to just let – we're going to do everything we can not to let John Morant just be Superman here at the end of the game. Yes. And it's and you know it's going to be up to some of these other guys and it's going to be up to Taylor Jenkins figuring – like we talked about it in the open. Like you know they we've seen signs of it in the past couple of weeks, them going through Jaron Jackson Jr. more – including crunch time, but it does feel like, you know, a diversification, and I'm not saying they haven't diversified it, but an effective diversification, let's say, of that half-court offense is probably going to be necessary because of the way teams have been defending Ja, especially since Steven Adams left. I would love nothing more than to see a lot more of 13 squaring guys up, taking those incredibly long steps, and just getting to the rim like he's been doing and continuing to put pressure, that will help Ja, that will help Dez, that will help Dylan, it'll help everybody. Um, and I think he's doing a better job of that than he ever ha- ever has in his career. Last night he was terrific. Yeah. He was shooting from the outside, he was attacking on... You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.